from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Eileen Cha. On January 1st, 2023, Illinois was set to become the first state in the U.S. to end cash bail. Until it wasn't. That's because the Illinois Supreme Court halted implementation of the Safety, Fairness, and Equality Today Act, also known as the Safety Act, on the very last day of 2022. Cash bail has long had its advocates and critics. What's true right now, though, is that existing law bans it, Illinois Supreme Court has ordered a stay on it, and it will continue, for a time yet unknown, to have real consequences for those who cannot afford to pay for release ahead of trial. And here to discuss that with us is Alexa Van Brunt, director of the MacArthur Justice Center's Illinois office and clinical professor at Northwestern Law School. Alexa, welcome to the program. Hi, Elaine. Thank you so much for having me. Alexa, let's begin with some basic terms. What is bail, and is cash bail somehow different? It's funny. Uh, you say basic, but it, it seems that all the powers that be in Illinois are head up about what the definition of bail is. Historically, and uh, in most constitutions, state constitutions and federal constitution, bail refers to the right to release pre-trial the right to defend your case and live your life uh, before you've been convicted of any crime. However, in recent years, and uh, particularly with the, the spread of the bail bond industry, bail has come to mean something different to certain parties, which means the amount you have to pay to get out of jail before trial. Uh, in reality, that is not the historical or legal definition of bail, but it has become a confused topic in, in recent years. And I'm glad that you've brought up bail bonds because I was going to ask about that. It's a term I've often heard on commercial yeah. radio. I've seen it on billboards around bigger cities in particular. Um, what, what are bail bonds then? How is it different? Right. So... Uh, in Illinois, and I'll just focus on Illinois because it's a bit different from other states, traditionally, uh, in the past many years, in order to get out of jail after you're, you've been arrested, uh, but before your case has uh, concluded, you have to pay a certain amount of money called a bond uh, that is supposed to ensure your appearance at trial and make sure you're not a flight risk. And that's usually what's meant by a bail bond. Many people uh, pay what is called a D-bond in Illinois, which is 10% of a total bond. And that's paid to the clerk, and it, it is supposed to secure uh, your appearance going forward. But traditionally, historically, and legally, what it really was supposed to be was a pledge of what you would pay down the road if you did not show up for trial, not an amount that you had to pay on the front end in order to get out. If, if we're talking about cash, more, more generally, bail bond is the conditions that you have of pretrial release mm -hmm. uh, so that you can be sure that you're, you're coming to court for your, for your necessary appearances as required by, by the judge. So that is, uh, in theory, what cash bail is supposed to do. 
Um, right. And what <laughs> happens with the cash bail once it's collected? Well, it really does depend on the state. In Illinois, we don't allow private uh, bail bondsmen. Uh, so in Illinois, you don't see those billboards uh, mm. advertising bail bond services. It's one of the, the few states that does not allow them. So what does happen is it gets paid uh, instead to, to the local entity, the judicial entity, the clerk service, and you're supposed to get it back, but you don't usually get it back. You mm. get fees taken away. And I think the greater point about that is that often the money that's being used to pay somebody's release, if they can afford it at all, is not coming from that person, but or maybe partly coming from that person, but it's coming from their family members and their loved ones. And it's a group effort to try to dredge up enough funds to pay that person's release, again, before they have been convicted or without having been convicted mm -hmm. of any crime. Now, what cash bail does in theory, what it does in practice clearly are different things. And Marie Correct. Franklin is a community organizer and former law enforcement officer who's based in East St. Louis. And she said that while she was an officer, she saw firsthand the impact of the cash mm. bail system on families. I stopped the car for speeding and the young man had a warrant out because he forgot to turn in a, a, a VCR tape to Blockbuster. You know, of all and for young people who don't know, just Google it. Blockbuster. You used to go buy movies, and so he forgot to turn this movie back in, and so they had a warrant out for him. And I'm sure that was a step. You know, he probably had a court date and all that. And anyway, he had a warrant out. I had to arrest him. I had no other choice. He had a young child in the car with him. He needed five hundred dollars to get out, and he did not have it. And thankfully, he was able to call someone to come get his son. But, you know, what if he hadn't had anybody to call? He would have had a child, you know, in the system. He would have been in jail and no way to, you know, figure out, hey, maybe I did turn the tape in. I just got to find some proof of it. But, you know, you can't look for it if you're in jail. And so that stuck with me, and I kept thinking, there's got to be a different way of doing this, you know. Got to be a different way. That was Marie Franklin speaking to the impact she saw cash bail have on people during her time as a police officer. Franklin was a guest on St. Louis on the Air in February 2021, the day after Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker signed the bill that abolished cash bail which was previously required for anyone arrested to be released from jail and await trial. Also joining us is Sarah Stott. She's director of policy for the Chicago Appleseed Center for Fair Courts. Uh, that is Sarah Stout. Uh, apologize for the, the mispronunciation there. Sarah, welcome back to the program. Hi, how are you doing? Great. Now, you were a guest with Marie Franklin in 2021, and at that time, you spoke from the perspective of someone who had a hand in drafting the pretrial fairness component of the Safety Act. Is there any part of Marie's anecdote that reflects what you and others very deliberately incorporated into language in the pretrial uh, pre fairness portion? 
Yes, absolutely. You know, the the main goal of the Pretrial Fairness Act was to make sure that jail is only being used when it's absolutely necessary and making sure that finances don't determine freedom. It should never be the case that somebody is in jail solely because they don't have the money to pay their way out. If we're going to use jail at all, we should be using it based on rational decisions made by judges that are made carefully after having all the evidence in front of them. And it should be based on whether someone poses a risk to other people, not just on how much money they have in their pocket. Back in 2021, you had also addressed opposition to the law. Um, Do the same entities have the same concerns? So I think that over time, um, certainly there are some opponents who were opponents at the time and are still opponents. But on the other hand, in the two years intervening, there's been a huge effort throughout the state to get ready for implementation of this law. You know, um, one of the things that's unfortunate about the stay on the uh, implementation of the law is that there are many places in the state that really were ready to go Hmm. um, on day one, Cook County in particular, but there were state state level um, implementation working groups that had a really wide range of players at the table, including law enforcement and including prosecutors. And so there was an effort made, a really serious effort made to be ready for this new system throughout Illinois. To what extent then are those who do have objections actually focused on the same issues that concern advocates of cash bail elimination? Huh. I think that the people who are opposed to the elimination of cash bail fundamentally are, um, they're invested in a system that has been the law and the practice in Illinois for a long time. Um, But ultimately, they are invested in a system that we know doesn't work. Um, Although I think that everybody shares the same goals of what we how we want to make sure pretrial release works. We want people to come back to court. We want to make sure that no one is harmed. Right. Um, We know that cash bail doesn't achieve those goals. And so, you know, from my perspective, when people who claim that they want to make sure people come back to court, claim that they want to make sure that our communities are safe. When they are saying that cash bail is the way to do that, they're ignoring tons and tons of research um, and and experience of other jurisdictions where it's clear that cash bail doesn't have those outcomes. It doesn't keep us safe. And in fact, there are many times that it probably keeps us less safe than a system that really focuses on making rational decisions Mm. about who's a risk and who isn't. Alexa, as you're hearing Sarah speak, um, from the standpoint of legal challenges being brought to the law, what are your thoughts? um, And how long do you anticipate it'll take for lower court to rule on this appeal? Well, I'll say at the outset that the legal challenges are not, um, they they shouldn't be legally viable. This is really uh, when analyzing the arguments that that the plaintiffs in this case are making, these are really attempts to delay and obstruct the implementation of what is is truly a good law and what is truly a constitutional law. Uh, 
they make arguments about this definition of bail that we talked about earlier that are that are not correct and separation of powers arguments about um, trying to suggest that this in some way this law takes away the discretion of judges to de- to rule their courtrooms and to determine conditions of pretrial release but nothing could be further from the truth uh, judges still retain all the discretion in the world to make sure that people can come back to court. They can do so by assigning other conditions, non-monetary conditions. Uh, And if a state's attorney wants to hold somebody in jail prior to trial, they can move to detain that person. And there can be a hearing with evidence to show that person should be detained. That is a system that is based on due process and clear standards. What has not been happening in the past is a system that was based on any kind of standards that related to making sure people showed up in court again or making sure that people were not dangerous because cash has nothing to do with those things. It has to do with how much money you have in your wallet. As to the lawsuit, it's on an expedited schedule. Uh, the, The Illinois Supreme Court has called for expedited briefing from the attorney general, which is defending the law and the defendants. And they are going to have oral argument in March and there will be a decision likely soon after that. But the, the upshot of that is this this law is delayed for months uh, for uh, no reason. And it, it's really a tragedy. Now, Marie Franklin, who is the community organizer we heard from earlier, um, who's also a former law enforcement officer and a current candidate for mayor in East St. Louis, also told us she's troubled by what's happened with the stay on abolishing cash bail. She said she was disappointed to see the Illinois Supreme Court block the law from going into effect on January 1st. I'm from East St. Louis. I live in East St. Louis, and we are a predominantly black community. And the cash bail law has uh, impacted us in, in negative ways. You know, having cash bail as the the way you decide if people have to stay, you know, imprisoned or are able to be let out, it's just unfair. And it's unfair to people who don't have money. It's unfair to people's families who have to scramble around and have to decide, well, we're not going to pay the rent this month because we've got to get, you know, our family member, you know, out of jail so that they can be able to present a robust defense. You know, you can't do that if you're incarcerated. This is about humanity. This is about, you know, being that country that we say we are, that, you know, everybody gets a fair shake in this thing. And, you know, to be accused of a crime, even a low-level crime, and have the decision about whether you go home or not based on how much money you have in your pocket is is just not equal to what our values say we are as a, as a country. Marie's disappointment in what's happened around elimination of cash bail um, and impediment to it is clear. Sarah, what do you think is at stake from a morale point of view with this stay? You know, I think that this is obviously disappointing, but ultimately, as advocates for this bill, we are very optimistic. Um, as Alexa said, you know the legal arguments in this case are frankly unserious. 
Um, and as a result, we we believe that the Illinois Supreme Court will ultimately overturn the finding of unconstitutionality, find the law constitutional, and it will go forward. Um, obviously, what is frustrating is that every day that money bail is in place is a day that we have an unjust system in place. And it's a day that people are suffering because they can't pay to get out of jail. Um, so that's, that's, you know, that's really unfortunate and it's a tragedy. But I do think that advocates are very confident that in the end, justice will win the day. This is an incredibly popular law. It's a law that a lot of thought and effort has gone into. Um, and it's one that we believe that the Supreme Court will ultimately uphold. Alexa Van Brunt is director of the MacArthur Justice Center's Illinois office and clinical professor at Northwestern Law School. And Stara Stout is director of policy for the Chicago Appleseed Center for Fair Courts. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank Thank you, you Lynn. It's been a pleasure. Today's episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.